Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Joshua Centre podcast. This podcast is here to help you lead a new worshipping community by providing leadership development and strategy. Last time we used the illustration of a crow formation to think about how we can work together as teams to go the long distance. I'm Jack, and as well as being an associate of the Joshua Centre, I've recently been appointed to be missional priest in the parish of Dalton and Upholland. In this episode, I will be talking with Dan Rogers, the director of the Joshua Centre, about a question that came up recently at one of our leadership development days. How can we encourage people to follow Jesus rather than following other leaders? Recently, we had a get together for some of the leaders of new worshiping communities with the yep. Joshua Centre. Mm-hmm. We were seeing sort of questions and topics that they'd like to find out more about. Yep. Yep. Uh, and one was the whole idea uh, of uh, following Jesus rather than following people. Right. Yeah. And, I yeah. Sometimes we see that go wrong and people mm-hmm. start following a character for leader with a bit of personality or even the people who introduce them yeah 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 uh have you got any thoughts on that any guiding pictures or images yeah 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 well some some people would say i'm a pessimist but i would immediately think what can go wrong with that and i'll be thinking well what goes on with that is if is if the leader um you know does goes awol uh and isn't around anymore what's the who's the person going to follow them you know because they've been following that person that person is mortal um fallible you know can go awry so yeah that's that's one problem yeah and, and if you if you're depending on them for a steer and a lead and you haven't got your own connection with jesus then that's that, that can be quite unsettling um and it can re- result in some young christians falling, falling away from the faith because they've got nothing to hold on to because they're holding on to people you know um i've got like a picture on it like you know um i think we're all so we're called to follow Jesus. So I just, I just kind of think of it in terms of like shepherds. Um, think, of a, think of a shepherd being followed by a load of sheep, right? And how I see it is that Jesus is the good shepherd and humans, we are all sheep. And now there are some sheep who have been doing the sheep thing and following the shepherd for a longer time than others. And so they may have additional responsibilities, but they haven't become the shepherd with their additional responsibilities. They are kind of like, helping the other sheep they're going look the shepherd's over there follow the shepherd we're all following the shepherd we're all going in the same way we're all following the shepherd there he is let's go together stop walking off the cliff you know that's what the position that's how i like to think of some kind of spiritual eldership mm-hmm. it's not like we are not the shepherds we are walking better we are following the shepherd better than them because we are more experienced perhaps there is this interesting verse in song of solomon which is a random uh, book to look to for anything about leadership i'll give you that but i am going to do it so um and don't panic so song of solomon um verse uh, chapter one seven eight says this thing which i think is kind of helpful it talks about um following other sheep if you don't know where the shepherd is leading, essentially, here's the, here's the quote, and it goes, tell me, oh one I love, where do you pasture your sheep? Where do you rest them at midday? Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your companions? And then verse eight says, if you do not know, oh fairest of women, follow the tracks of the flock. 
and graze your young goats near the tents of the shepherds. So there's this kind of idea, there's a hint there, isn't there, which I think is, works really well for, for a young Christian, which is like, if, you don't know, if you're not familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit and you're finding it difficult to discern, you know, where do you pastor your sheep, Lord Jesus? You know, where, where do you rest in the midday? How does this work? Um, and then, but if you don't know, then the advice in verse eight is, if you don't know, oh, fairest of women, you know, church, young Christian, fill in the blank, you know, follow the tracks of the flock and graze your young goats near the tents of the shepherds. In other words, go with, go with the flow of God's people until you can discern for yourself where the shepherd is. That's a helpful starting point. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a non-literal interpretation of that particular passage. It kind of invites us to go there, doesn't it? As long as, I think that's why I think it's such a good, you know, it's about our relationship with Jesus as much as it's about anything else. You know, I don't want to be yeah. reductionistic about Song of Songs. No, no. You know, but there's lots of levels part, to it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's at least partly about our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And therefore it's also, you know, about how we do, how we do church. If it's about how we do relationship with Jesus, yeah. it's also got something to say about how we, our church together. Yeah yeah yes and so that's kind of what i think you can get for church from from those verses the, the, the thing even though if you, even if you don't know where jesus is you don't know his voice yet very clearly and you're not confident so you're going to go with the group while you're a young christian you're going to go with the flow and just be with the people of god and just just totally rely on them as a young christian i don't think anyone would say that that's a good place to that's not a destination now i actually found a really interesting comment on that passage oh yeah from someone in the 17th century which you know obviously that was quite a long time ago uh, but he said uh, referring to the tents of the people who were camping uh, yeah. near, near the shepherds he says first and chiefly those who have gone before you the prophets and the apostles so it's like those are the people that we're to go yeah. to first you know the people who wrote the scriptures Okay. Uh, after and in subordination to them and so they're writing others who i shall raise from time to time to feed my people with wisdom and understanding yeah so there might be people you know amazing pastors uh, bishops or vicars that god raises up from time to time to give us wisdom yeah. and understanding but actually they're in service to the word of god they're in service to the words and writings yeah. of the prophets and the apostles who you know, then have that role of pointing us to the living words, to, right. to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's, that's, that's yeah. really helpful because again, that's another introduces another level to it, isn't it? It's like you introduce scripture and history and then current leadership um, while you're working out how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and get confident. Yeah, that's, that, this is really. I think this is helpful stuff. Um, and I guess you've got Jesus, but he becomes more and more local for us. That first he enters the world, and then he enters the words of scripture, you know, recorded about him. He yeah. enters our churches through, you know, the preaching and the sacraments. Huh. We, you know, as we gather in community, we experience Jesus together. But it's all, you know, it's not a replacement. It's not a supplement for Jesus, but it's all to point us back to that relationship with, with him. Yeah. Fundamental. Brilliant. But that does remind me of a joke that, about the guy who um, he got kicked out of his church and they closed the door behind him and he was sitting on the steps and he was feeling a bit sorry for himself. And then um, 
Jesus comes up to him and says, oh, don't worry, mate, they kicked me out ages ago. A story about a preacher who suddenly started doing a really great sermon. And suddenly the whole church is like, yes, the, the preacher's converted to Christ. Okay, last one, last one. The, the preacher is um, shaking hands to everyone as they leave the thingy, and, um, and, and he's got to be an anchor for this story. And, oh, uh, and this old lady walks past and she shakes him by the hand and says, oh, that's a great sermon, Vicar great sermon and he says oh no 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 it wasn't me it was the lord and she says oh no it wasn't that good it can be a tension though right so you're walking uh you're trying to follow the good shepherd and you're walking or someone in your congregation is trying to follow the good shepherd and yeah okay so eventually they want to be discerning his voice for themselves and you want them for that but what happens when they are discerning something different to what you are discerning as their leader or what happens when you are discerning something different to what your uh, seniority leader. There can be a bit of a tension there sometimes. So um, we want to follow Jesus. So how do we do that when we don't agree if everyone's, not everyone's agreeing where Jesus is going? Well, it's a really good question, isn't it? And, you know, so many people handle that in a really unhealthy way. As okay. soon as the sort of pastor says something that they don't agree with, they're like, all right, we'll hop across to another church now. Abandon uh, the ship. You know, I think that's a classic way of, of getting it wrong. Yeah. Because you, how, you're not discerning anything. You're just be, essentially, what, being offended? Yeah, just moving on and, you know, mm. submitting to someone else's leadership instead. Replacing yeah. the leader rather than learning how to do church together. Yeah. To growing relationships. Yeah. Um, and so what about positively reconciling? If you're not going to do that, how do you reconcile these tensions? What, what, what would you be thinking? I think there's got to be a space for talking these th things through, hasn't there? Mm. Um, so being able to go to your vicar when you've got a big objection to maybe something that they're seeing or sort of part of their vision for the church and sort of explaining that how you feel about that. Yeah. But I think other times you've just got to suck it up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think as long as it doesn't completely go against your conscience, there, there's, you know, there's some issues, you know, we like to escalate things quickly. Um, mm. You know, and Paul warns in the scriptures about those who are argumentative, those who like to debate sort of fairly yeah. meaningless issues. What do you think, Dan? Um, well, I think um, I would be the, the kind of, person who Paul would slap down for being too argumentative uh, I think so <laughs> that'd be my confession but for me I, I would probably a friend of mine used to used to say to me what we need to do is we need to go we need to agree on principle then we work out policy and then we decide on practice so um, all too often I, the opposite happens we defend our practices because of our policies and forget the principle do you yeah. know what I mean? So we're working for the wrong, the wrong way round all the time. So we're doing things because that's what, um, you know, the leader wants done, or that's because what the church expects to ha get done, or that's what the policy said to do because the policy, when it was instigated, it was addressing a problem that existed in the then, right? Uh, and then, and then the says, yeah, but what's the principle at stake here? And people are sometimes, I don't know. Mm -hmm. We're just arguing about methodology and, tradition it's like well yeah. let's talk about the let's talk about the principle 
the sort of conflict training is all about sort of listening to what's going on underneath. Yeah. And, you know, someone might be saying, oh, like, I want the chairs over there. And someone might be saying, no, they've got to be over that side of the church. Yeah. Well, why, why fall out about yeah. that detail? When yeah. if you drill down, there might be a, a meeting point somewhere that yeah. the person who wants on one side, it might be because that's where the parents sit and it's much easier to have the kids over, over there. Yeah. And the other person might be concerned about sort of extending a welcome to people who haven't been in before. And actually they're, they're all concerned about including others. Legitimate. It's legitimate, isn't it? Yeah. So how do you work on that together rather than opposing each other because of the chairs? Uh, yeah. <laughs> why fall out and yeah why fall out about the practice yeah you might be a hundred percent in agreement on the on the principle yeah. and actually my old my yeah. old past one of my old pastors said to one of the other co-pastors they were having a row about something and they'd gone off in a huff with each other and he went back to, to the other co-pastor and said look i care more about the relationship here than what than the discussion mm. so let's make sure we're friends and you know let's do whatever I, the, in, the relationship is more important than the issue um which i thought was a, you know a very mature thing to say it's not always right because sometimes the issue is too important to yeah just be a peacekeeper and just flannel it because you don't want to fall out with someone sometimes you have to have a good good old row um and thrash it out if it's important enough mm. um you know but if it's about chairs and coffee and all the rest of it i like you say it's the tangible that makes a difference to how we live but yeah. we only get to that by looking at the principle first yeah and um if if you're talking about principles which can be applied to any situation um i think at the heart of it the question is who do you want to please mm. who do you want to please with with this decision um so the principle would be please jesus like we said before that the policy is well let's that's what you have the discussion about how do you make a policy which calibrates with others to please jesus and then the practicality is like okay how, how does how does that work out um before we were talking I've, I've come across a song by um john mayer and i won't sing it um but there's a line in it which i thought was was brilliant and i'm just gonna just gonna there find it so i don't misquote it. it's by john mayer and it's called in the blood um which talk it's talking about family stuff and um he's got this line it says um how much of my father am I destined to become? And then this line is this, will I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone? Hmm. Will I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone? And my concern when it comes to submitting to leadership and our motivation is like, are we gonna dim, are we gonna dim our convictions about the principles just to appear cooperative to the to the person who we perceive to be the powerful person so they don't look down on us and withhold resources from us um and so that we end up just making decisions which we don't really agree with just like it's the opposite of what you're saying about not making a big deal out of things sometimes making a big deal out of things and sometimes are we going to dim those dim those convictions just in order to be a peacekeeper because there's a difference between isn't there between peacekeeping and peacemaking peacekeeping is passive peacemaking is is more active and, and stuff so all these issues i think just come into play when we're talking about leadership followership how we do that how we discern how we calibrate those kind of things 
Um, it depends on your understanding of peace, doesn't it? Right. That if peace is simply quiet, yeah. then, you know, you can keep a peace. If that's the priority, you know, yeah. keep peace. But peace in the Bible, you know, shalom, that Hebrew word is so rich in meaning, that yeah. concept of well-being, yeah. harmony, yeah. broad relationship, and actually... It's, it's not superficial, is it? Yeah, you can't just keep that. You know, you need to strive for that. You need to, uh, yeah, yeah. We need to build together towards that. You know, that's yeah. that's the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is all about peace. So, how can we see more of the kingdom of God mm. among us? Yeah, it's so relational, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's all about love, isn't it? It's about relationships. It's about love, and and if we just settle for um organizational and keeping the peace organizationally and just not rocking the boat i don't know it's just like that's not there's more to life than just you know everyone nodding their head in in a meeting and saying the same words it's just more to it than that it's it's, it's we're supposed to the kingdom of god is richer than just a, like a superficial level of peace isn't it it's about it's about like a marriage isn't it a marriage in which a couple don't argue probably isn't much of a marriage yeah um, because you're not really being very you're probably not being very honest that's i mean even justin welby does, he says we're not is it justin he says um we're not very good at um arguing well so it's like we need to, that, that's the thing to learn for for new disciples for people we're leading and for when we're when we're kind of being steered you know how do we how do we argue well well we keep we keep it's easy to default back to the upper thing for us you know how do we relate to those in senior positions but it's just as hard to be the guy, to be the line manager and to be, to, to be the person who is in a bit more authority, a bit more experience, and to be the person who is conceding, who is listening, who's not just saying my way or the highway, you know, so to be developing the people that are kind of um, under your watch, mm. you're not following you, they're still following the good shepherd, but how, that's that, and that's the kind of issue we kind of have to wrestle with. And, it's probably just down to conversations but it's 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 hard to have one conversation in one way with the guy who's senior to you but it's just as hard to have that conversation the other way with the person who's junior to you mm. both require quite a high level of of vulnerability mm. and i don't know if everyone is practicing that maybe I'm thinking, i think there's some amazing resources in our anglican liturgy and the words yeah. that we use in our services uh, that help us to think about this so i guess oh, yeah. Uh, three three principles that I might draw uh, from that as someone who's working as an Anglican priest. Uh, thinking about the ordination services, one uh, is the way that uh, in the ordination for priests particularly, it talks about being formed by the word. So we were talking earlier about that accountability, that submission to the word of God, yeah. uh, that sort of uh, refusal to move away from the word of God and good conscience. Yeah, you know, yeah. Luther says, you know, here I am, I can do nothing else. You know, yeah. not budging from God's word, but also being formed by God's word. Like all of the stuff around conflict takes a lot of self-awareness. So yeah. actually entering that place of prayer for engagement with God's word and letting God actually do that work of formation. In yeah. um, I think the second principle that I drew from it uh, so in the ordination for bishops, it talks about how bishops are called to serve and care for the flock of Christ, mindful of the good shepherd. And so the sense that we are sub-shepherds, 
Yeah. Particularly that pastoral image of being a shepherd. Yeah. But actually, we're always doing it underneath the chief shepherds who gave yeah. his life for the sheep that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life. And yeah. You know, he did that on the cross. So actually, we've got to keep the cross set before us, recognizing that these people mm -hmm. who are leading, they belong to Jesus. They don't belong to us. Yeah. Uh, and the third principle uh, was sort of that concept that through baptism, we all have a vacation. God has a calling on all of our lives. Sometimes mm. we're good at celebrating the calling of those who are ordained for ministry in the church. But in a very real sense, all of us are ordained for ministry in the church. So in the ordination of priests, it talks about how with all God's people, they are to tell the story of God's love. So we're all mm. storytellers and we're to collaborate in telling that amazing story. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Still being storytellers and collaborating it's like we're all on the same team aren't we it's yeah not, it's not like team captain versus team members it's like no there's one team captain we are all on his team so let's play nice come on and children let's play nice draw out the gifts of god's people to draw out the storytelling yeah gifts. yeah and you know there's different parts to a story you know like some people be really good at describing and picturing the characters Mm. Some people be so good at setting up the scenery, others, yeah. you know, good at sort of moving the story on to where it needs to go next. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do a lot of work in um, theatre when I was doing my um, A levels because I did theatre studies, and so obviously in a, in a theatre, not everyone's the cast, are they? No. Some people are the cast. Some people are the lighting. Some people are on sound. Some's the director. There's the, there's the props people and, you know, there's the people on the door. It's a whole thing makes a theatre production work, doesn't it? So, what, were you, what were you good at in that setting, Dan? I guess I'm thinking, wondering <laughs> whether it's actually quite a good analogy for the way that we all have different gifts. And that I guess for me, one of my real weaknesses with telling stories is just remembering it and getting yeah. across all the details in a sort of a sequential order. Um, but actually that relates to the fact, actually, I'm not primarily a very good teacher, when it comes to teaching instructions for a board game, I'm pretty useless or giving yeah. directions for driving somewhere. Like I'm just, yeah, not very good at that. Uh, but there's other parts of telling a story. Yeah. Like, engaging people in it that I, yeah. I really delight in. Where would you say, you know, particularly the stuff with the theater where your areas. Oh, story? well, I, I was, I was an average actor, um, but I was a fairly good director. Um, so sorry about that, everyone. Well, um, I think that's still the case, isn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's like, in, it's, like in, it's like in leading congregations. I was actually a, I'm actually fairly average at outreach and and the work that everyone else does so well. But I'm I'm better. I'm not going to say brilliant. I'm I'm a bit better at creating frameworks and helping people think through what they're doing. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was that's quite. I'd never really put two and two together there, mate. So you you, you nailed me. <laughs> I guess do you have any other practical tips to steer us forward with this um, yeah I, I would say for congregation leaders make the most of your relationship with your vicar your parish incumbent and um we, we are saying that we want you to meet with um the parish incumbent on a monthly basis because there's two reasons for that number one it's good for you to get a bit of the, the vicar's support uh, and number two, it's good for them because they get the information and they get to understand what's going on in your congregation. Um, but you, it's really helpful to plumb um, 
the depths of their experience as the kind of more you know senior people I, I would say congregation leaders make the most of the skills and the experience that, that, you, that your vicars have got because um they, they didn't just get to being a vicar overnight did they they've they've been through training and they've been through a bit of life and they've 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 thought this stuff through so ask your vicars um and the second thing is on speaking to your vicars is if the vicar is the one you're having the conflict with then you really need to speak to your vicar you know what I mean? when you're having a conflict the person you need to talk to when you're in a conflict is the person you're having a conflict with not with joe you know joe johnson down the road about the vicar who you're having a conflict with joe johnson should be telling you why are you talking to me about it go and talk to the vicar you know you're he's the one you're arguing with you know go and argue do it properly so that monthly thing i would just really encourage everyone to say make the most of it make the most of that monthly one-to-one -one with your vicar and really get everything you can out of their brain into your life um i've done that for years with probably six people and i'm still doing it um with leadership coaches and spiritual directors now i just kind of just feed, just kind of bleed people dry <laughs> all their, all everything. if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a confrontation if you're gonna fall out do it face to face yeah I think there's so many shortcuts that you can take with this and shortcuts yeah. rarely lead us to a good place. Yeah. And often, I don't know about you, but often whenever I've gone directly to someone, it's never what I thought it was. I can hardly think of a time when the complaint I've brought to the person who I have the complaint against uh, comes out of it as badly as I, in my opinion, as they were when I was going into it. If, does that make sense? Like, yeah. I always come out of the conversation thinking, oh, they're not that bad. We begin to see their perspective, where they're coming from. Yeah. I always think I always feel like a bit of a prat because I think, oh, if only I'd had that conversation three months ago, I wouldn't have got myself all kind of. And yeah. and similarly with people in our congregation, it's like if you can tell they're going sour on you, invite them over if you can, or on the phone, just say we need to talk a bit more. I can tell I've annoyed you. Clearly, you're in a mood of me. I'm sorry. I don't know what I've done, but let's talk about it quickly let's not let this go on for another three months let's do it now or or next week or whenever it's convenient for you but let's put this on the table as a time and i will absorb your frustration with me as much as i can and i will serve you in that if i can and i would also back down or change or whatever but let's let's deal with this so don't just kind of let someone your 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 discontented congregation member don't just let them speak to the whole congregation and poison everyone's mind against you when you actually will probably weren't in that much in the wrong in the first place Talk to them quickly and just nip it in the bud and just say, look, we've got a problem because I don't want you slagging me off to the whole village, you know, before I can tell you that your problem's unfounded, you know, or, or before I can apologise, you know, that kind of thing. And there's principles which we hope that the whole church will get about handling conflict, such as keeping yeah. short accounts. But as leaders, you know, those who've been entrusted with leading new worshipping communities, we need to be, yeah. you know, making a priority of modeling this and setting an example yeah. to other people in it. Yeah. Thanks for that, Dan. Well, no, it's good, to, it's good to have that conversation. I hope this episode of the Joshua Center podcast has helped you to learn more about pointing people to Jesus through starting new worshiping communities. The verses from Song of Solomon and the declarations from the Liturgy of Ordination, which we referred to, are in the show notes, which can be found below the podcast on whatever platform you are streaming it from. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you've enjoyed listening to it, 
you might want to subscribe and review the podcast as well as recommending it to other people. To find out more about the Joshua Centre and have a look at some of our other resources, you could visit joshuacentre.org.uk. I hope to see you for our next episode in which we will be thinking about the problem of participation and the challenge of collaboration. Bye for now.